For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening. That means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Patrick. Patrick, I hope all is well, my friend. And how have you been this past week? Yo, yo, yo. I'm really good, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a tough week. Lots of ups and downs, a bit topsy-turvy, but obviously we'll discuss it and get into it. But all in all, I'm feeling good and obviously happy to be here with such a great support and cast. Fantastic. Have you got some energy for me tonight, Patrick? Of course, I'm going to bring that energy. I like it, I like <laughs> it. You're also joined, of course, by our forward hitman, Ryan. Ryan, I hope all is well. How have you been this past week? Yes, I'm good. Thank you, Dan. Uh, the life of a Tottenham fan is always eventful, so there's always plenty to talk about on a Monday night. Yes, I mean, from a podcast point of view, Tottenham are probably the perfect club because it's never dull. Do you know what I mean? If we won every week, always. there'd be no- nothing to talk about. But thankfully, yeah. <laughs> that means Danny, our debutante, is in the right place. Danny, it's a pleasure to have you on board. I hope all is well for you. And Are you ready to chat all things Spurs? Of course, I'm always ready when it comes to Spurs. Win or lose, no matter how depressed or how, how happy we are, we're, I'm always ready. And it's an absolute pleasure to be, um, an honour honor for me actually, to be joined and well, invited onto this, this amazing podcast. So thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it and looking forward to it. Not a problem. Right, before we chat all things Tottenham, let's do the social media bits so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Company Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll sort it for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is not one but two cup games in the past week. And you have to say, even though there was a winning one, it's not really been a great seven days in the pursuit of silverware. So, Patrick, let's first focus on that Chelsea game in midweek. And once again, you have to question the overall mentality of the team. It's a semi-final, and once again, we haven't turned up. So, I think it's a case of the more things change in terms of management, the more things stay the same. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, first and foremost, good evening or good morning or, you know, wherever you're listening in. Uh, to all Spurs fans, hello. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in yet again. But going back to the game on Wednesday, I was lucky to to bag a ticket. So I went with oh, wait, really? my boys. Yeah, so I went there. You know, um, Chelsea ground is an absolute, without being obscene on here, it's horrible. It's a terrible ground. Horrible, so old-fashioned and outdated. So saying that, when you, you know, go into Spurs Stadium every week, every other week, we kind of take it for granted how amazing our stadium is because that stadium is an absolute shithole. It's horrible. But anyway, mm-hmm. going back back to the game, uh, lucky to be there. They were attacking, well, I say lucky. Uh, we, uh, the Chelsea team were attacking our end in the first half. So obviously I saw the calamity first hand. I was right there. And, oh man, Tanganga, man. I mean, he's a kid that I love and, you know, I'm so happy for him to come through the ranks. I thought such big things of him. I had such high hopes. He's into his third season now. And obviously he was here... You know, he was here under the Poch. Poch is the first guy that started bedding him in. He's been here under Jose, uh, obviously, right, and Mason, and now uh, Conte. And I'm not going to lie, I was really disappointed with his performance on Wednesday. He was awful. 
Uh, the first goal, literally within the first two minutes, he pretty much did a no-look pass uh, to, I can't remember if it was to Emerson or whoever it was meant to go to. Uh, Havertz read it, ran onto it, and pretty much bang, they were 1-0 up. Um, after that, he was shaky, didn't have his head in the game. You know, he made a mistake, granted, but all right, step up, like, you know, be counted for. And again, he was just all over the place, woeful. Kalamo's second uh, goal, he headed the ball onto Ben Davis. It's 2 0. Uh, I mean, so as good as for, for the amazing team that Chelsea are, we've got to obviously, you know, put things into context. We're away from home. They're the current Champions League champions. They're a quality team. They spend shitloads every summer. They've got ta- uh, depth and abundance. But with all that being said, I wouldn't say they played that great. It's just that we handed the game to them. And Dan, going back to your comment or your question, yeah, semi-final, first leg. This is a chance to really lay a marker, show what we're about. We've been on a great run. Conte's in charge. Chelsea would have had to come. They would have had to show us some respect because they knew we were in great form. And obviously, we're a good team on our day. But the way we just crumbled as soon as the ball was kicked off, they didn't have to do anything. Um, you know, I don't think we had a shot on target or even on goal in the first half. We were awful. And um, yeah, we just pretty much made our bed. In the second half, yes, we were better. Obviously, we could only get better, but it's just, it's disappointing, man. It's another semi-final or final where we just completely um, capitulate, show no fight, no desire. And I'm also really disappointed in Son and Kane. And I said it on Twitter and a few people said that, you know, having a go at Kane, not having a go, but Kane's not the problem, they're bigger problems. But for me, he's a world-class player. He's one of our leaders now. He's been in this position time and time again. These are the times where you stand up and be counted for. And to be fair, Sonny and Kane were MIA. They did nothing the whole game. They didn't give that team a problem or a thought. And even though Lukaku didn't have a great game, he was pinning defenders. He was getting shots off. He was bringing people into play. These are things that I expect Harry Kane to do because Harry Kane is 10 times, in my opinion, the player that Lukaku is. But if you was to watch the game for the first time, you would have said that uh, Lukaku was the better player. So... Yeah, really disappointing. It's only half time, so there is obviously another leg to go. But Jesus Christ, it has to get better than that. Well, you'd like to think, wouldn't you? I mean, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that was a great vent, by the way, Patrick. A lot to get off your chest there. <laughs> sorry, that, sorry, no, no, no. Getting started. don't don't apologise. It's exactly what we're here for. But Ryan, you know, let's try and take some positive in that the tie's not over, as Patrick rightly says. We're not out of it. However, if we were to win in 90 minutes, it needs to be 3 0. So that's not even conceding a goal. Now, you look at the first leg, you look at that first 45 minutes, and a 3 0 win is a massive ask. So, are we sort of clutching at straws? Is the tie dead already? No, it's not dead already. Like Patrick said, we gave Chelsea that win. Other than the two goals that we gifted them, they didn't, I can't remember too many times it actually troubled Loris in our goal. They are. They can be beaten and you've got to look at it and they may rest. Obviously, I know they've lost Mendy to AFCON. They may rest a couple of players ready for the Man City game at the weekend. So any anything could happen. If we get an early goal, anything could happen in that game because, as always, the crowd at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will be right behind those players. We've got the best 12th man in the league and any time them players need a boost or they need lifting up, they can always can on the fans as long as we see more fight and more passion because that that first half especially against Chelsea was diabolical. 
me. It was just a constant game of errors. It, it could have ended up a lot worse if we'd gifted them more goals, but there's no way we could play like that again. I, I don't think uh, Conte would allow any of that. And hopefully, I know we'll get onto it a bit more later, but we won't see any of these second-string players that we've currently got at the minute. Well, if that's the case, we might only play five players on Wednesday. But yes, you're right. We'll get some more come in a moment. So let's bring Danny in because Danny, after that rather yeah. insipid performance, shall we say, <clears throat> certainly the first 45, Conte was not shy in holding back his words afterwards. He sort of said that there's a lot of work still to be done. Now, are those words heard by the boardroom? Is that going to be not a coded message, but a word to sort of say, look, you know, I'm working with what I've got. It's not enough. You need to help me out here. Do you reckon this is going to be... Well, there is no positive losing to Chelsea, but if you're trying to look for something, it's a case of, right, actually, we do need players. Let's get into business. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that for me was the most positive part of that game. It's just another another kind of showcase into how bad our players are and how, how bad this squad is. Um, I mean, that, that literally was the, the positive from the match. I mean, in a way... I know Chelsea didn't really threaten us in in in, in the respect of uh, threatening Lloris, but in, any other day, if they had the finishing boots on, they could have been four, five, six, seven goals up easily. We we were we were awful, and then the worst thing about that match it was the it was the it was just the passion. There was nothing there, yeah. no desire, no passion, and it's it just it's like Conte's literally serving up on a plate for Daniel Levy and the board. He's basically saying, look. This is what I have to work with. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but in one point of the game, uh, Antonio Conte, what he did was he, he he turned to his staff and then he kind of just put his hands up in a, in, a, in a motion where it's kind of like, well, what else can I do? He put his hands up. He was speaking. He, I think he was murmuring something in Italian, but it, it just looked like, what else can I do? Because in that game, it was one of the games where he had the least amount of emotion you've seen from Antonio Conte. And He's a man who's more passionate than any other manager you see in the Premier League in the world probably right now at the moment. He's just such a passionate man. And for him to be that deflated and and, and not just for the, the loss, obviously during the game, it's just the performance. And it's like he's having to try and work miracles with these players. And we've known for years some of these players need to go. And we know some of them have kind of started to improve again. Like Harry Winks is showing that desire again. And he's showing... He's showing something to Conte that he can feel like he can trust him. But we, we all know there's there's too many players there that that are just not good enough and, and just don't want to play for the badge. I mean, again, we had another performance which we'll get onto, but Ndombele is a prime example. For me, Deli Ali as well. And yeah, it, it's it, it's it, I kind of feel the way I feel at the moment. It's like I can only see it going two ways in in the way in terms of our future and how, where we're gonna where we're gonna end up. That you've got the one on one hand, you've got it's like it's like in the Matrix where you've got the blue and red pills. Like which one do you choose? It's like um, it's like in one hand you've got um, Daniel Levy, Conte saying, "Look, get me these players. I'm not asking for like hundreds and hundreds of millions, but get me the players that I want that I know that I can work with to to start challenging again and start moving up the table and challenging for trophies." Or, uh, and if he doesn't do that, the other option is Conte walks and the club goes into turmoil. And it's as simple as that because I don't know where we go if Conte walks out because there's no one else in the world who could probably do a better job than someone like Conte could. Well, this is it, Patrick, because we kind of not burnt all our managerial bridges, but we have lucked in somewhat after such a horrendous start to the season. Well, not even a horrendous start, that kind of awful autumn, shall we say, under Nuno. To get to Conte, it's like, wow, you know, how on earth has this happened? However... As Danny yeah. alludes to there, 
if we don't get this right and we sort of go into the transfer market again with one arm behind our back, Conte is a man who will leave. He's left at a high on Inter Milan. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, if things aren't going his way, he's got enough principle to walk out the door. So if we don't back him, we probably are letting one of the best managers ever out the door. And you just think, again, why are Enoch so slow to sort of react to the transfer market? Philip Coutinho, who spoke about last week, gone to Aston Villa. Mm. I know he's not top of everyone's list, perhaps, but that could have worked for Tottenham. So it's not really an excuse to bash Enoch and bash Levy again because we are one third through the window. But again, it's kind of looking that way where nothing's really happening. Yeah, it's um, like, like um, Danny said, a great analogy. It's literally we're in that crossroads. We're in that literally that closing doors, sliding doors type of mo- moment where it's the red pill, blue pill. Do I take the left road or the right road or do I? Do you know what I mean? Like we're literally right there. This squad has been rinsed and squeezed of yeah. every ounce of profit that there is that that there is left. We know we got two. Probably three world-class players in the squad right now. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at Kane, Son, and I would still put Lloris yeah. up there as a world-class keeper. For 100%. me, he's still a top keeper. But other than that, yeah, there's some decent players on their day, like your Hoybergs and, you know, whatever. But we need more. We need more. We're, we're punching way above our weight and our station right now, even, even challenging for fourth place. I don't even know how it's possible, but we are <laughs> right there. But we need back in right now we've brought Paratici in we're we're third through the window like you said uh, Dan and I'm still wondering why we haven't really done anything and I don't want to get too jittery and start ranting and raving on Twitter yet but when you see teams like Aston Villa who like you said have already brought in Coutinho they're possibly going to bring in Luca Digne you're looking at a team that is like wow okay they've got their they know what they're doing they've got some intent and it's Aston Villa with all due respect yeah. They're probably not going to trouble the top four, the top six, but they are showing good intent. Luca Digne is a good player. Again, Coutinho and Digne, realistically, they're not players that I really want, but they still are going to improve Aston Villa. And that's what we should be doing. We should be out there already getting players in that can improve us. There's lots of talk of Adam or Traore. If we really want him, why don't we just go and get him? You know, Why mm. are we dillying and dallying? Or oh, we might put in a bid. We're looking at this, we're looking at that. What's going on, man? Paratici's been there for six, seven, eight months. Why do we not know on January the 1st who we're going for and go and get them? I still don't understand why there's talks of, you know, there's talks of Daniel Levy having to fly to the Bahamas to meet Joe Lewis to have a chat. Surely we should have known from January the 1st what our transfer budget was, who our targets are and who we're going to go after. So, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully they're just hoodwinking us and we do our business quietly. Almost again, I don't know, I keep talking about Aston Villa, but basically like Aston Villa did mm-hmm. with Danny Ings. All yeah. of a sudden you saw Danny Ings, oh, Danny Ings is on his way to the Aston Villa training ground. He's done his medical, he's signed. We're like, what? Where did that come from? I just hope and pray that we're doing that kind of deals and business because we all know we need players. Obviously, if we come out and say we've got a kitty of 150 million, Conte's going to be backed. Teams will naturally put their price up. And play a hard bargain with us. So hopefully, I just pray that we're doing some, you know, some work behind the scenes because mm. we all know there's gaping holes in that team. We need, we definitely need a creative midfielder. We definitely need another striker, and then obviously we can pick any other position that we also need to strengthen. The second string, obviously, I don't want to talk too much about the Morgan game yet, but we can all see the second string isn't good enough if we're struggling to Morgan with all due respect. So yeah, um, a lot of. 
you know, the, the season right now is li- li- literally on a knife edge. It can go so well or it can completely capitulate and go the other way. But unless we get back-ins and, and quality players in, I I fear the worst. I'm not going to lie. Mm. And I'm a positive guy, but we are literally on a knife edge right now. And it can go either way, depending on what Daniel Levy does this January. Well, Ryan, last week, collectively, we were a bit guilty of getting giddy because we were saying, well, you know, Chelsea and Co could be in our grasp and we might finish second or third in the Premier League. You look at Wednesday and you think, oh, God, what were we thinking? So it's so, it's so frustrating because there is a genesis of a team there. You know, as Patrick says, there's a nucleus which has got smaller over the past few years, but there's still core players that can get you to higher levels than what you think. So we're at a point where... Is it one step forward, two steps back, or are we just kind of at our level where we're not really going to be a top four team, we're a top six team, and we're kind of in a, a false position slightly due to the, the nature of Conte, but you don't know how that season's going to pan out. You know, Can he use those same players in the second half of the season? How do you see it going? You know, Is it going to be all things well at the end of the campaign, or are we going to look back again and think, oh, do you know what, why don't we just buy players when we can? What do you think? Uh, we are a top four team, definitely a top four team, but it's it's a no go. I don't want to be a top four team. I want to be a team challenging. I want to be a team that goes for honours every season, that you can feel confident in your side winning these honours. But it always feels like we build up such a hype for players that we're linked with between every transfer window then it gets to the transfer window and that every all you hear is Tottenham are interested Tottenham are looking at Tottenham may put in a bid for this player or and the only one I can see at the minute is Adama Traore now Adama Traore is not going to push you further up the league he's a dangerous player on his day due to his pace and power but is is not a player that's going to come into your team and change everything. So, the the worrying thing for Tottenham is success on the football pitch brings money into the squad, but you've got to be willing to take that risk to spend the money to get the success you want. It doesn't feel like our owners will ever take that risk, which means that we will fall further down and further down. I mean, the lads have spoken about Aston Villa. Yeah, they're not a they're not a danger to top four or anything like that. But if they keep buying the players that they're buying and improving their squad each summer, then they'll slowly creep up. Leicester have all got an owner that will always back the manager. They they'll buy three or four players in the summer that the manager wants or feels that he needs. You've now got the super rich Newcastle who, if they stay up, will just keep signing and signing until they creep up on us. Arsenal seem to spend more money than us now. And then you've obviously got City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United. But we need to be willing to spend the money. I mean, obviously, I read today about uh, Vlahovic and his demands and his agents' demands. But if you want to push yourselves up the league and challenge more, then you go out and you buy these type of players that could change a season for you. Midway through the season, we've we've seen it so many times with Tottenham. It's like under Harry Redknapp, he wanted, uh, I don't know if it was Eden Hazard in January, and he got Ryan Nelson and Louis Aha. It's That's, <laughs> that's just it, yeah. Tottenham. That is Tottenham <laughs> to an absolute team. We're never, ever 
going to keep going. We may have a good cup run every season, semi-finals, maybe a final, but I'm sure every Tottenham fan now is just desperate for us to not just go into a season and say, let's get top four this season. We want to go into the season and think we can challenge for the title this season. The board have brought who we want. And not only that, we've got the manager for it now as well. That We've got the perfect manager to do that. Just give him the players that he wants, spend the money that he needs for this team. Obviously, try and make some money back on the Bergvines and then Dombele's players like that. But spend the money that this manager needs. Give him a squad that he feels he can do something with and you'll see a completely different side to Tottenham. In the boardroom, we'll see more money coming in from maybe the investors that we've heard about from America or uh, countries like that because we are winning trophies and we're already uh, globally recognised as we are a big club. I don't care what any other fan base says. We might have the trophies recently to show that, but worldwide we are huge all around the country. So, it's about time now that the board start actually acting like a big club. Well, Danny, is it not as simple as that? I know it's easy to spend other people's money, but you look at, I don't know, Man United from the 90s. They won stuff, they spent more money, they kept winning sponsorship deals around the world. Even now, even them not winning in, what, eight years of Premier League, nine years this season, they are getting deals for everything. The official whiskey, the, you know, it's just it's nonsense. Whereas Tottenham could be this perpetuating machine of, glory if they just spent money now it feeds mm-hmm. into that big kind of machine doesn't it so aren't we kind of just missing a trick here where this penny pinching is cutting us short and it's only the near heroics of managers over the past what four or five years which are keeping our heads above water in the top four because we've got no divine yeah. right to be there and surely no. as Ryan says you've got the likes of Aston Villa and Leicester who are upwardly mobile and hoping to sort of break through that glass ceiling if the trajectory keeps going as it is that order will be sort of disrupted and Tottenham might be on the wrong side of that. Yeah, it it, it it kind of alludes to my point I was saying before about the blue pill and the red pill, right? Because the, those those decisions, right, the, the choices they're going to make is going to define the next five years of of, of us and where we're going to be. But it, and, and, and those choices can affect, they, they will be affected as well by, um, like Ryan was saying, um, <clears throat> you've got Newcastle now with rich, super rich owners, You've got Aston Villa who want to. They look like they want to try and sort of um, creep up that table and, and keep investing to try and get closer to that European sort of top seven, top six kind of teams. Leicester, they're probably going to go again in the summer. Um, and the problem is, if you then obviously you've got everyone else, right? Now, if everyone else starts improving again and start spending some money, if we don't do the same thing, we're going to get left behind even further. Now we're already in a decline. We already well, we were in a decline before. I'd, I'd say. Conte came in. We've kind of been in a decline since the um, the sort of twilight days of the Poch era, and nothing. The squad issues weren't really addressed then, and it's kind of just been left to now to kind of now we're in a stage where we actually have to invest a lot more money than we actually needed to because they've left it, Daniel Levy's left it stale for so long, and it, 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 you'd, you'd like to think right. Any anyone with some common sense would probably say. Well, why don't you just spend spend an extra ten million pound on a top quality player, um, buy them in, and like like we all kind of kind of see, we would probably be finishing in in better positions and probably competing in the Champions League if we actually had the better quality. I mean, 
you've had you can see so many examples over the, over the years. I mean, the, like for example, we wanted to go and get Skriniar. We go to Italy. We have a chat. We we we're, we're close to trying to sign him. We we nearly do every everything's on the table for him to sign. And then what happens? Daniel leaves. No, I don't want to spend that money. And then in the end, we end up getting Joe Rodon, who's pretty much on the verge of leaving now anyway. So it's just like it's just like a whole waste of money. You have got Jack Clark, another ten million wasted. It's just they just waste money in the wrong wrong areas. And it's it's a matter of how they're going to do it now, trying to manage with this pandemic and all this kind of stuff. Now, my, my opinion is I, I think they're using the pandemic as a bit more of an excuse than it actually is for the club. Um, I think they've got more money than they than they than they admit in terms of that they can actually use. But we know what they are like. They they they're always tight when it comes to transfers, and they always try and find the the cheapest deal, or they always go for the third or fourth option. They never go for the the the, the, the main priority or who they who their first choice is. Um, and I just think that it, it, it's like it's like now it's like now they're saying that apparently well all, all the reports I'm hearing from from various reporters and Ali Gold and people like that and whoever I mean a lot of them are all saying that we have to sell to buy and and it's like we can't how can we like the problem is you've got players like Ndombele right who he's on what two hundred grand a week supposedly and he and he and he's got three and a half years left on his contract how many teams can really afford him right now or actually would want to pay a transfer fee for someone like him who's who's literally shows you he's got no attitude no desire no mentality apart from the odd odd skill he does here and then and the technical ability that he's got but he, he doesn't use it um to his to his, well, the way he can so it's like you've got we've in a situation where we've got players that we spent a lot of money on and we're going to have to make big losses on them if we were, if we really want to get them out and the problem is daniel levy doesn't want to do that he never has done it's like the same as Deli Ali. Deli Ali should have been sold years ago right but the reason why is because we've got he's got some sort of sentimentality with some of these players like he did with the Ericsson when he was trying to keep Ericsson when Jose was there and it's just like he needs to he needs to understand that sometimes he needs to take a loss in order to go, move forward and until he he until Daniel Levy changes his methods and his ways of running this club now nothing's going to change and and obviously he's put things in place now right so we've now got the stadium we've now got a training ground we've now got one of the supposedly one of the best directors in football you've now got one of the top four free managers in world football in their prime right now you've literally got everything there it's for the taking it's literally just screaming out go and back me go and Conte's like screaming back me and I will win you stuff I will win you shit and, and that's all it literally is and it's like that's why I can only see it going two ways because it's 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 just it's just frustrating as Spurs fans, right? Because we we can all sit here and see like if they go and spend the extra five million, the extra ten million on on, on a better player, then you're going to have a better caliber of player in order to compete to where, like Ryan was saying, to where we all want to be. And essentially, that's actually going to make them more money in the long run as well. They're going to get a bigger fan. If they're in the Champions League constantly, they're going to get more fans globally. They're going to have more TV rights deals. They're going to have uh, more more merchandise sales across the world. And it just everything goes up. So it, it doesn't make sense from a business point of view why they wouldn't invest a little bit more now, right, to try and get the squad back up to the level where we were to then actually have them, well, to be able to first compete Obviously, we know. What, uh, for me personally, I know what they're they 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 want money first. So for them, it's it, money's first, and then the then the trophies are second. But they they come hand in hand, right? If you if you if you're if you've got a squad good enough to compete, and you can stay at the top level, and you're competing at the top year in year out, then 
you're going to earn more money in your domestic and in in the European competitions. So it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't do it. And look, I, I like Patrick was saying, right? I know we're we're only a quarter of way into the into the um the window now, and we still got time. So there still can be some shocks, but it's like you, you do just what what I think what fans are pissed off about more than anything is the fact that you can see teams like Villa are, are, have got like a plan and they're actually they're actively doing something about it to try and improve their team. And it's like 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 Ali Gold came out today and he was saying that oh we're we're now planning to do a bid for Traore. I mean this is ten days in. Why haven't they gone and got him if they want him? They wanted him in the summer. Why don't Why don't they just go out and get him now? It's like we're planning, we're considering. It's like they do. They wait until the last minute, right? And then, if for whatever reason, say nothing happens, or and, and we don't get the player for some bizarre reason, it's like then our transfer window looks terrible, and then it makes them look like idiots because they haven't done their jobs properly when they should have done it at the beginning of the window, and rather wait till the last minute to try and get a cheaper deal. So, yeah, it, it just. I just pray that they're going to do something to surprise everyone this this uh, this window because I think it's going to be a. Uh, um, a bit bit crazy with the Spurs fan base once if we don't sign any players or we sign only one player. Well, there's still three weeks to go, so we've got to keep the faith on that front, but we're also got to keep the faith on the road to Wembley. So let's move on to Sunday now. <laughs> and although, Patrick, we eventually got the better of Morecambe, I think it really highlights that game that we've got absolutely nothing in the way of squad depth at the moment. Yeah, um, exactly that, Dan. Uh, and I, again, I was lucky enough to be, I say lucky enough. Lucky? I don't know. I, exactly, I don't know if I was lucky. Or, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I was lucky enough to be there, uh, depending on what side of the coin you want to look at or flip it. But, oh man, I was, to be fair, maybe I'm sounding a bit cocky and arrogant. I never saw us losing that game, even when we were 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go. I always thought that we would pull it back. I don't know why. Maybe it's the arrogance and I was sipping a bit too much Conte juice. And I thought, yeah, Conte's there. He's not going to see. But it's um, it's actually quite worrying because that's a league... What are they? League two? Uh, a league one, league two side. League one. They're not great. League yeah, one. league one. They're not great, if we're being honest. I know they played well on the... Not great. Uh, we started a strong team on PayPal, if if you want to call it that. But Lo Celso and Dombele, that's 100 million. Deli Ali obviously used to be a great player. You know, Joe Roden, we all thought he was a good uh, young centre-back. Tanganga started again. Galini. I mean, the team was full of, dare I say, big names or, you know, what. but you can competent see the names. second string. Yeah, they? competent names used to be, <laughs> used to be big names. And oh, there was just nothing there. There was no creativity. There was nothing there. Um, we didn't really threaten them. We had all of the ball. I think in the end, we ended up with 80% possession. But we didn't really threaten them until we brought the big boys on. And um, I'm, obviously, I'm really glad that we got we got through. Uh, we went through 3-1, flattered us. Because if you look at the score sheets at the end of the day, where you're just looking through, you know, uh, uh, social media and you see Tottenham 3, you know, Morecambe 1, you're like, OK, cool, comfortable there in the office. But it really wasn't comfortable. And it wasn't comfortable until we brought on Kane and then uh, Lucas and obviously Skippy. And it completely changed the game. But shouldn't be that way. We should have been able to see them off with the second string. Um, and it is it is worrying because it just goes to show that Conte can't rely on these guys. Uh, it, but in a way, you're almost looking at it like, I'm so glad this is happening now while the shop window's open or while the transfer yeah. window's open. 
But then also at the same time, if nothing's going to be done, then what's the point? So Conte has said it. I mean, after Wednesday, he clearly said, well, you know, there's levels to this. Chelsea are, you know, where they are, we're where we are. I do need backing. He said it so many times. So it is up to Daniel Levy now because, um, you know, I'm really excited that we're through to the next round. We're quite fortunate again that we're at home. But obviously we're not that fortunate because we drew a decent Premier League team uh, in Brighton. And obviously if we don't turn up, they will do us over. They're a good team and Graham Potter is a good manager. But obviously we're still in it, uh, thankfully. And uh, we saw what happens when you don't turn up with the team down the road, what happened to them when they tried to copy us and wear the same kit as us. And uh, it, it didn't work out. But um, we just need to be careful because, um, you know, there there are lots of um, question marks over certain players. I don't want to really dig anyone out. But we all know there was a player who literally took 10 minutes to walk off when we're losing 1-0 down. And, you know, uh, social media turned up and said, oh, why are we booing him? It's not great to boo a player. But we didn't boo his performance. We booed the fact that we're losing. We're 1-0 down. Obviously, the players need to get on the pitch and get, get to work. And he's literally acting like he's an opponent and time-wasting. And that was crazy to me. And no one understood that. So, yeah, um, lots to do. Obviously, we're still in it. But we definitely need to step up if we're going to uh, uh, beat Brighton. Well, Ryan, the thing is, let's say you're playing a championship team at home in the FA Cup. I can maybe understand the need to bring on the big guns. You might go one down because they're up for it. They fancy smelling blood, that kind of thing. But Morecambe, and no disrespect to Morecambe, you know, first 45 minutes they were compact, solid. They did everything they needed to do. They scored. They made it an interesting cup tie. But we shouldn't be struggling against Morecambe. I don't care who's really playing in terms of that squad. That squad is competent enough, really, when you... And on paper, I know you don't rematch on paper, but the personnel there is more than enough to deal with Morecambe. So the fact we need Lucas and Kane to dig us out, it speaks volumes really, and it's not good optics, is it, for the terms of the players that are there at the moment, playing for their futures. And when you look collectively at those players who are playing for their futures, they haven't really got one, I suppose, have they? But the problem is shifting them, because we spoke about it so many times, there's so much dead wood, you could really honestly get rid of seven or eight players this month They've got no future at the club. But as we all know, we're not going to get seven or eight in. So this rebuild is going to be really painful. But it all stems back to this squad being not good enough. Yeah, I mean, the players who started that game should be embarrassed to even see Kane and Lucas have to be on the bench yeah, exactly. for that game. I mean, like I say, all due respect to Morecambe, the, the fans seem to have loved the day at the stadium, obviously loved the performance. So fair play to Morecambe. They obviously led until, I think, the 70th minute. But players that we had on that pitch, I mean, we've got a £60 million transfer record signing. Uh, Lo Celso, who's just as much a first-team starter for Argentina as Messi is at the minute. They absolutely love him. Uh, Brian Hill, who cost £20 million. Like I said, Joe Rodon, uh, centre-back who we bought. It's Those players... Sessignon, quite... £30 million. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Sessignon back as well, yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say Doherty. He's not. He's not. He's not a footballer. So I'm not going <laughs> to mention not. him. <laughs> but I mean, those players there. You should feel. I mean, and the most annoying thing for me about that Dan was Son. It just come out that Son's going to be out for a month. So when obviously he's going out, Bergvine looks like he's more or less out the door at the minute. You thinking Conte could possibly go to a three-man midfield? Go Kane and Lucas up front. I mean, between Winks, who I've, he, I'm not obviously going to lumber Winks for the rest because recently he's done a lot better than he has been. But 
Deli Ali, Celso, and Dombele. You, you'd think this is some type of audition for them to actually earn a place for the big game against Chelsea. I mean, surely as a footballer, yes, the money's wonderful and all that. Like Eric, the lifestyle's brilliant, but actually being able to play the game regularly, not sitting on the bench watching everything, surely that's worth a lot more than that. And I mean, they've got a great chance now with Sonat. It's a shame Son's obviously having to miss out for us, but every injury creates an opportunity for another player. And they just don't seem interested in taking it at all. And like Patrick said, I mean, you're 1-0 down. Yes, it's against lower opposition. He's he's probably pissed off with himself for the way he's played. He's not took his chance. But it shouldn't take Chaffet Tanganga and Harry Kane to say something for you while you're still slow motioning off the pitch when you need to get off the pitch so the lads can get that goal back and then obviously go on and do what they did but it's just they don't help themselves in the slightest and they'll turn that back round on the club somehow every 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 player now has got that type of agent where they'll say so I mean uh, the Twan Zabi who's just left that Aston Villa as his agent said it's because Gerard saw him as a Man U player and because of his hate for Man U, that's why he didn't want him. I mean, they'll, they'll twist absolutely anything for anybody now. So it'll come back on Tottenham somehow, but it's so... Because we all know Ndombele, is, he's such a technically gifted player. But for 60 million, you need to see it a lot more, a hell of a lot more than we've actually seen him play like that. And he is one of those players that you mentioned, Dan, that we would quite happily see go out the door with obviously Doherty. I'd happily see Lacelso leave, Bergvine, uh, Tanganga wouldn't bother me if he left. To be honest, Rodon wouldn't because I'm, we've not seen him at all to really judge him as much as we want to. But uh, it's just it's just Tottenham. It's just that's that's all you can call it. It's just it's just Tottenham. If if you didn't expect us to go at least 1-0 down to Morecambe, I don't think you've been watching us long enough. Well, Danny, <laughs> let's talk about Tangi and Dembele in a bit more detail. Obviously, mm-hmm. trudges off yesterday. Booze, as Ryan says, due to the manner of him trudging off. Do you reckon that's the last we'll ever see of him in a Tottenham shirt? He's had so many opportunities up to now. The auditions he takes part in, it always seems to fail. A £60 million player shouldn't be doing it more often. He should be doing it every week. He's nowhere near that. Is this the point where Tottenham look at him and think, do you know what, just cut it. Get £30 million, get him out the door, get rid of the toxic player, use that money to hopefully buy someone in January. What do you think? Do you know what, Dan? I, I fucking hope so, mate. I honestly fucking hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, this guy is an absolute disgrace, um, If you, in my opinion. I think he's he's shambolic. He's got no, uh, no heart, no passion, no desire. He doesn't give two shits about Spurs. All the fans, for that matter, oh, he's just happy to do what he does. Come on and just play like absolute garbage. And um, he looked like the worst player on the pitch yesterday. Um, and yeah, and he he he's probably worth more than the whole team. And he's happy to go and take his two hundred grand a week and do what he wants, buy his Gucci clothes or Prada clothes, whatever he wants to do. And that's what he cares about. That's, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about anything else. So for me, I, I I just pray that that is the last time we see him in a Spurs shirt because I don't want to see him in a Spurs shirt. I don't want to see him play the sub. I don't want to see him at all. 
I've had enough of him to be honest with you. And 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 the same goes for a number of those players as well. Um, obviously, there's certain things in this. The problem we have at this this club, there's so many players that uh, are basically they're they're. They 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 need to leave for their own reasons. So everyone's got their own reason why they need to leave. And you've got players that are just don't want to play for the badge anymore. You've got players that are just who sometimes try, sometimes don't, and and you've got other players who are just just unfortunately are not good enough. Um, so there's a mix. There's a whole mixture of play uh, players in those categories which all need to leave the club. And yeah, it's just gonna take it's just gonna take quite a number of uh, of transfer windows to to really fix this because. I just don't want to see. They have to. They have to kind of keep Conte. They have to try and keep him, and keep him happy by, like I said, not spending two hundred million a window, but maybe even if a hundred million or or eighty million, eighty to a hundred and say twenty million per per summer window, and then you have fifty, sixty million or so in a January window because that's really what it's going to take over the next couple of years in order for them to get the level up of to this squad of this squad to a level where they can compete for the top top of the Premier League um, and yeah it's just it's just it's just like I keep saying to fans that when I'm doing podcasts and stuff that you have to look and compare the level of players that we have right now because I know and, and the level of players we had in the put in the prime Porch era right and like you can't compare players like Ben Davis to Jan Vertonghen or or Eric Dyer to Toby Alderweireld. You just can't compare. There's no comparison between them. They're, those players in the prime portrait are level, levels above. And we have to strive to get that again. And to get that, you're going to need to spend money, unfortunately, unless you can find some sort of youngsters or, or kind of players who are, I don't know, 22, 23, who are, who've got very good ability and they've got a lot of potential. Because I think what they're probably going to do is they're going to go for that kind of balance of trying to get a mixture of youngsters and, and kind of experienced players from from that's what I think Conte that's how I think he works best when he has that kind of balance between uh players in his squad um and yeah it's just like yesterday when you're watching that game it's just it, it's just so upsetting and depressing to see that we had to bring on Harry Kane and, and Lucas Mora and and um, Oliver Skip to to go and win against a team struggling in League One. I mean, it is just diabolical, really. And I think fans are just fed up. And Conte, what, what do you know? What right with Conte? I love this man. I think this man is an absolute genius. He is. He is. He is the best manager we've ever had. Period. Right. And in terms of that, he's a manager in his prime. And he's an elite coach. He knows how to coach players to, to make them better. And there's certain players that just don't, for their, because of their attitude, they just don't want to improve, right? And you can see the players in this squad who are actually, who are actually taking his advice and his coaching methods on board. And you can see they're playing a lot better than what they were playing like. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're, they're playing amazing, but they're playing to a level where it's acceptable to be a, called a Tottenham Hotspur player. And you've got players like Eric Dyer and Ben Davis, who I think have been two of the best best perform, performers, I think, under Conte or, or in terms of improvement. And obviously Harry Winks as well. Um, and yeah, the problem is these players, they're playing above their ceilings, right? So it, it's, it's whether or not these players can maintain that kind of form over the course of the season. Personally, I don't think they can. I don't think they can, but those are the type of players you want in your squad. And, and then you have to strive to have better, but it's whether or not the board are going to decide to kind of back the 
well, back Conte in a sense and and get him kind of what he wants in order to, for him to do his job the way he needs to and the way Daniel Levy would expect him to do it because he can't work uh, miracles for for the rest of the season. It's, it's just not going to happen because you get injuries and stuff like that. And I, I saw reports today that they might not even go in for a striker until the summer. Now, that that to me, again, is just such a big problem because I can I just feel it. I just I was saying today on Twitter, I was like, I could just feel this happening where uh, they, they don't decide to get a striker and they get maybe one player in. And then just after the window shuts, Son is still injured. Kane gets injured and he's out for a long-term injury or like a two-month period. Then we've got no one up front. We've literally got no other strikers. And I can see that happening. And that's what worries me because if we lose Harry Kane as uh, at the moment, if we lose him, we are in a, in a world of shit, in my opinion. So it, it, it's, it's going to be hard to shift the players. And I think you, if they do do deals this, this window, I think they're going to look to try and do like swap deals and stuff like that. Um, maybe like a loan sort of obligation to buy kind of deal, um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I just don't. I just I think all of us are fed up of these fringe players who who don't really care about Tottenham Hotspurs. I just don't want to see these players again. To be honest, with you. all all of them. There's just too many of them. And like you said, Dan, there, there is about probably eight players in that squad that you could get rid of easily. Well, Patrick. As Danny alludes to, the Athletic have kind of broken up a story or a half story at least that Tottenham are unlikely to get a second striker in January. My notes here say one word, suicidal. Now, Danny probably paints the nightmare scenario that could happen, but we all know that Harry Kane has very bendy ankles and they are due to sort of break at some point in the season. We're kind of waiting for that doomsday to happen. So, you know, regardless of a Kane injury or not, are we going to get a second striker? Vlaovic has been linked countless times, but... At this time of the season, clubs are really kind of unwilling to sell their biggest names. It's always about selling in the summer. So if we are waiting for Vlavic, does that mean we're not going to buy anyone in January at all? Because then you've got three strikers next summer. Have we left ourselves short again? Yeah, it's so negligent. That's the, probably suicidal negligent. That's, like it. Those are, those are the only words. I mean, we're the only top club, probably we're the only Premier League club that's got one recognize well, we are aren't we Let's striker yeah That's, it's crazy it's it's suicidal it's negligent it's just bonkers it makes no sense for a team that's striving to challenge on many fronts we're still meant to be in europe obviously we're not in europe and i know it's a technicality and all of that blah 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 but that would have been even more games with one striker it's absolutely bonkers and like you said you know harry kane he's always likely to have some sort of injury or miss a couple of games He's not as injury-prone as we, as people may make him out to be because he doesn't really miss a game or two with niggles and knocks and all of that stuff. But when he does go, he goes. He's out for two or three months. So if that happens, God you know, God forgive us and God bless us because we're going to be in so much trouble. Um, the thing is, I'd probably say we should be trying smart and buy like a, uh, like a Sonny type of player, like a wide forward, someone that can play up top but can obviously also play on the wing. Because if we're going to go out for a real striker, you know, like you said, Dan, it's unlikely we'll be able to get him in in January because no one's really going to sell their big names in Jan unless you pay way over the odds. Uh, but we also definitely need a top uh, recognised second striker because we could even play two up top at some point and mix it up. You don't always have to just play Kane. Obviously, give Kane a rest now and again. Right now, Kane literally has to play in every half decent game. Kane's got to play, and even yesterday, 
when he's meant to be rested, he had to play to win us that game. Um, so, yeah, I just don't understand why we always seem to get to this every summer, every, sorry, not every summer, every other window, we're in the same moment where we're like, we need another striker. Will we do something? Won't we? And, you know, before we ended up with Lorente, and again, not great, but at least we had a second striker. Now we've got no one. And then even last year, we had two players, didn't we? We had um, Vinicius. Uh, Vinicius. Yep. Now we've got no... I just don't understand. We're going backwards. And like Dan said, uh, like Danny said, the squad's got weaker and weaker and weaker. But now we're we're playing with less players as well. It makes no sense. So I really hope we get someone in. I hope we get a striker. He might not... He doesn't have to be a world-class striker right now in general. I do understand that. You need options. You need an option. Yeah, exactly. We need options. I mean, even Leicester have got Iniacho that can come in and do a job. They've got, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you know, for them... Um, uh, Jamie Vardy's out for probably two months, but they got Iniacho. You know, other teams have backups. They have options. We don't. Even West Ham are looking at a striker right now, and they've obviously got Antonio. But again, he's quite injury prone. But yeah, it just makes no sense. And we're only going to end up killing ourselves if we don't get uh, options in, in this window. Well, surely, Ryan, as we kind of go back to Conte and banging the drum about him wanting players and sort of pointing to the ball and saying, look, Surely a manager of that ilk and that status will not be prepared to work with only one striker for the rest of the season. If anything, his influence must be enough logically to kind of push for another striker. However, we all know that Tottenham don't really work in terms of logic. So is this going to be a bit of a pinch point over the next few weeks? Oh, massively. It's going to be a quite a big tug of war, I reckon, between Conte and Paratici up against Daniel Levy. I think they'll go... Well, like I say, I think they would have already had the list that Conte would have put together of players he would like to see come in this January window and players that you would rather go out of the club. Um, I think they would have had that list before the Boxing Day fixture, to be honest. So they know what they do. I don't know why it's taken Daniel Levy. I think, what was it, the 2nd of, uh, 2nd of January, I read that he went to the Bahamas. I don't know why he has to go to the Bahamas in the first place when surely they've both got Zoom or Skype or anything like that. It's it's just pointless to me. It's, it happens with every manager. And this this time, if if we let this manager down now, then we'll be back to the Nuno's of management because you can't let... I know Mourinho's passed it and he's not his uh, better self that he used to be, but he's still... A renowned manager who likes to spend money, make his squad. He didn't get his money. Poch sat down in an interview, spoke about the painful rebuild that this club needs, even after his years and his Champions League places that he got us in the finals. He wasn't backed. So if we don't back this manager, I know respectable top managers going to look at Tottenham and think, oh, yeah, that's that's a place I want to be because <laughs> they're not going to get anything from it. They'll they get the Matt Doherty's of the world. That's the only players that they'll be given. And it's not... this Like you said, Dan, and you said earlier in the, uh, in the show, Conte is not somebody who will sit there if he's unhappy, he, he he brought into back from obscurity in the Serie A and won him the title, wanted certain things, didn't get them, left. He's not bothered by anything like that. If he feels lied to or if he feels like he's not being backed, 
he is happy to pack his bags, clear his office and be gone. He's not going to sit around and wait for something that's never going to happen. So this board really do need to start showing something now because it, it, it was pointless moving out of White Hart Lane to this stadium if they're going to keep refusing to put money into a team suitable for that stadium. It's it's the best best stadium in world football. I've not seen any stadium better than ours. Yeah. But what, what good is Europa Conference League in a stadium like that? There is no point in building it, no point in spending the money on it. And I mean, a full full stadium on game day is worth a lot of money. The NFL shows, the boxing, the concert, the rugby. The amount of shows they put on, surely they've got money just sitting there waiting for a manager like Conte to spend. And I mean, look at him at the minute. He's unbeaten in the league for us. Yeah, we've, we haven't had the tougher games there, obviously coming up now, but he's still unbeaten in the league. He's actually given us chance of Champions League football next year. Daniel Levy knows the profits you get from Champions League. He knows <clears throat> the sponsorship you could get from being in the Champions League. Like Danny said earlier, the TV rights go up. Surely the money he spends in January, he could double next year with yeah, it pays for the itself, profits it? he gets. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just it's pointless to me. Like I say, uh, just a Dharma Triore, Fatsu Conte wants, yeah, that's great. Get him. Apparently he's going to what twenty million. Get him now. Twenty million's nothing. Just go out. I say it's nothing. It's nothing for. It's something for me. It's nothing for Tottenham Hotspur. So go out, <laughs> spend the twenty million. I don't care if you want to sell Doherty for a bit of money. Throw Doherty in there. I'm sure every Tottenham fan will be happy to personally drive Doherty back to Molyneux. <laughs> And sent just leave him there. Just go out and get Triore for the manager, because that's who he wants. As long as it's not something that the club are after, because obviously, like you say, they was after him in the summer for Nuno. As long as it's something that Conte saying, oh, I'm not quite, I'm I'm not hundred percent sure on him. He's more of a player I'll go for towards the end of the window if I haven't got who I want. Then then don't go for him because. This manager needs his players. Like I said, he's done it at Inter Milan. He won Inter Milan the league with his players. Give him who he wants and I'm sure you'll see a lot more money coming into the club once you actually reward this manager with players he deems good enough to play for us. Well, Danny, let's focus on Adama Traore in a bit more detail. Mm -hmm. There's two camps here. He's either really exciting... And it's just a bit raw, but could be an incredible player, or is just someone who's covered in baby oil and is just pace. <laughs> what do you make of him? Do you reckon he'll be an asset if he joins Tottenham, or just another wing forward that doesn't really help us in any way? So first things first, right? With 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 transfers, whoever Conte wants. For me, like I have my opinion on it, but I will back Conte whoever he wants. Whoever Conte wants, I want. That's how I see transfers under this manager because he is. You have to trust his judgment because he is an elite coach, and and that that's a key thing. He's a elite coach. He can coach players very well, and he's proven that time and time again. 
He's proven that at Chelsea when he took them from 10th to winning the league the next season. Yeah, I know they had a, they had a similar team, but he brought in a couple of key players he needed, like Kante when he brought in Kante. And he was basically the him and Hazard were the driving force of that season when they won the league. Um, funny enough, against us. Um, and obviously, when he went to Inter Milan, he he brought in he he got the players he wanted. Now, if you actually look at what he spent, he didn't spend like hundreds of millions like with Inter Milan or Chelsea for that matter to to to, to win them those titles. The biggest signing he made was Lukaku. But after that, if you look at the other signings he made, they weren't like 30, 40, 50 million each signing here and there. A lot of them are a lot, lot less than that. And he got a couple of free transfers as well. And he, he got the right caliber, the right type of player that he wanted um, in and, and who is going to work and work hard and, and do what he says in order to achieve what they achieved. And they did it. Um, and they hadn't won, like, Inter Milan hadn't won a title in 10 years. Now, Adama Traore, I I like him, right? I think he's he he does cause havoc, mayhem, uh, and against defenders. And defenders do not like going up against the baby oiled beast. Um, so, look, he he he. I, I think in a right wing back position, I think Antonio Conte. If there's anyone who's going to coach him to be an even better player than he is right now, I think Antonio Conte is the man who's going to do it. Um, you saw what he did with Victor Moses. I know a lot of people have alluded to that many times before, but he was a right winger. He wasn't the greatest right winger. He, he, he was he was an average player, but he he made him into one of the best wing backs in the league that season when Chelsea won the title. He was brilliant defensively and offensively. His crossing improved. Everything improved, and I think that's what he could do for us. And I think I think in terms of his crossing, right? I think it's, it's a little bit. Um, a bit overrated, a bit hyped up when fans say, oh, he's he's terrible at crossing, he's terrible at crossing. If you actually watch Wolves and you actually watch his play, a lot of the times when he puts balls into the box, they're actually decent balls. It's just that people who are on the end of them don't put the balls away. They don't put it in the back of the net and they, and they, they basically mess up their chances. And that obviously brings his stats down. Now, we know yeah. this season he's not been the greatest in terms of his stats. He's got zero goals and assists. But... I think it's not all always all down to him. I think it's also part of the team. And I think you put him in a team of better players, especially when you've got players like Kane and Son. When someone like Kane, you all late like in the last couple of seasons, that people you see two players marking Kane all the time. And with Triore, when you see when you watch him play, there's always two or three players around him trying to stop him, right? So they can't have two or three players on Son, on Kane, and on Triore, um, because there's not enough players for them to do that. So what he would do, I think he'd do a better job than someone like Emerson, a right wing back. He's obviously faster, stronger. He's direct. He beats a man because the problem with Emerson is he doesn't beat a man. And those wing backs are, are key to a Conte system. And we've seen Emerson. He, look, Emerson's young, right? He, he's going to improve. I think he will improve uh, over time. Um, we'll see what happens with him. But he's good, he's solid defensively. Obviously, we know going forward, he can't cross the ball to save his life. And unfortunately, he he's, he doesn't beat a man often enough, um, hardly ever, if I'm honest. So someone like Chure is going to give you the complete opposite, and I think he'll do. I think he'll be able to cross a ball better than Emerson would. So in that respect, he's already going to be better, an improvement and an upgrade in terms of a right wing back. And if if Chure is the guy he wants, and Chure agrees to what what Conte wants out of him, then I'm completely for it, and I think he could be a surprise to Spurs fans. Um, 
And I think I think we're going to get a bit of joy if we get someone like him watching him a bit. And I think you're going to get a, like what we all get with, with Tottenham players, right? You're going to get you're going to get stressed, you're going to get angry, but you're also going to get joy at times. And I think he'll do a better job than Emerson would. And I, we have to wait and see if we get him and what he'd be like defensively, and if Co- Conte can coach him um, from the defensive side of the game. But <laughs> excuse me, but but I think that the the plan is if they do bring him in is that he's going to stay a lot more further forward. And you see the way we played, especially against, um, who is it? Southampton, wasn't it? I think where Emerson time and time again, they were just getting it out to that right wing and he just was doing absolutely nothing with the ball. And I think someone like Traore in that position, I think he'd, he'd cause a lot more problems and he'll draw players to him, which will then create more space for players like Kane and Son. Um, so yeah, it'd be. I, I, I'm all for Adama Traore. I think he'd be an exciting player to watch. Um, and um, we all know his dribbling ability is is one of the best in the Premier League. I mean, his dribbling is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, he'd give us something different. Um, I just my 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 uh, concern is that I've seen obviously the Bergvine rumours, and I've heard Alistair Gold today say that if 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 um, uh, we do bring him in. We might use him to play up front while Son is um, injured still. Now that concerns me because if Bergvine leaves the club, which it all kind of looks like it's going to happen, um, I don't want him to be the replacement for Bergvine because then you, what you've done is if if you're planning to use him as a right wing back, then and then you're selling Bergvine, you're taking another attacker out of our team when we actually are lacking attackers right now. So uh, it, it just it just defeats the object of bringing him in in the first place and selling Bergvine. If you're going to sell him, then you need to bring in a Darmatore for the right wing back and you need to bring in another attacker as well. Otherwise, it's going to really um, left, leave, leave us short in, 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 this, in the sort of rest of the season. Well, I was on the fence about Torre before this episode. Buy him. I like what you said, Danny. That's a great sales pitch. So hopefully he joins before the end of the month. Right. We're just running out over time very slightly. Patrick, very quickly, Harry Winks, did he mean it? No, he didn't. He didn't. I, I know he, yeah, he's come out and said he did, but I can't no. see it. I, I think, obviously, it was a great ball. He put it right on the money or, you know, you put it into a dangerous area and then anything can happen. So brilliant delivery. He had a really good game. I do like what I'm seeing from Harry Winks. I don't think he's there yet but he's definitely become a much better player and he's actually impacting games now, which is what you want from your players. When they come in, can they impact the game? Can they make a difference? Can they do something? And to be fair to Harry Winks, he is doing that. So long may it continue. I don't think he meant it, but obviously we'll take it. When you're 1-0 down, you need every ounce of luck you can get. So it was a catalyst to us, obviously, getting back into that game. So yeah, well done to him. Absolutely. I don't care if he meant it or not. As you say, we needed that goal. We'll take it. Job done. So it's job, <laughs> it's job done for us this evening also. So before I wrap up, I just need to thank my three Pod Squad members for this evening. Danny, a cracking debut. I hope you enjoyed that one and would like to join oh, us sometime it. soon. 100% absolutely enjoyed that. And um, yeah, I'd be honoured to be back on with you guys. It was a really good, really enjoyed the show tonight. Not a problem. Ryan, thanks for your time again this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. No problem, Dan. Yeah, it was a great show again. Great to meet Dan. Listen to his Tottenham views. Always good to be with a brother, Patrick. And yeah, roll on next Monday, hopefully with a North London derby win. Absolutely. There's a small matter of a North London derby to talk about next week, which means, Patrick, thank you for running the channels and wearing that captain's armband. I hope you'll be doing the same next Monday. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, next Monday could be a great Monday or it could be an awful one. I mean, we've got Chelsea and Arsenal back to back. Yeah, God, so, don't. So, yeah, I know. So, see, we're going to be, we're going to be in high spirits or I'm going to be on here with uh, a rum and coke, probably a triple <laughs> rum and coke. So, we'll see. But no, nah, it's been fun, man. Obviously, Danny, great debut. Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Obviously, Dan, we're always having fun when we're on here. So, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Cheers, Patrick. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and until next time, come on, you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.